The purpose of life is to be happy. The purpose of life is to be happy because when we can find our own happiness and well-being, then we come alive and everybody gets the benefit of that. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. Last week, we spoke with Irene Francis Olson, who's the author of Requiem for the Status Quo, and she knows a lot about caregiving uh, for a loved one with Alzheimer's. She's also a member of allsauthors.com, and I've had many guests who are a member of that wonderful consortium. And next week, we're going to be speaking with Colleen Wheat-Martin, who was a professional publishing consultant, and she's going to talk to us about how to start your own writing project. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing James Barras, who has been teaching mindfulness meditation for over four decades. He's the founding teacher of the renowned Spirit Rock Meditation Center in Northern California and is the co-author of two award-winning books, Awakening Joy and Awakening Joy for Kids. Since 2003, he's been leading the online course Awakening Joy, taken by more than 20,000 people, and he serves as an advisor to One Earth Sangha, which is a website devoted to Buddhist responses to climate change. Welcome to the show, James. Nice to be here with you, Nicole. Can we just start from the beginning and and and? Let me ask you, what led you to discovering mindful meditation? Hmm. Well, um, as many people uh, are motivated, uh, I was looking for some answers in my life and some uh, ways to find uh, peace and happiness inside. I had a lot of internal suffering, although my life seemed pretty good on the outside. Uh, I'm... Uh, people of my generation, uh, many of uh, many others like myself, were uh, deeply impacted by a book called "Be Here Now" by uh, a man named Ramdas, and uh, and I wanted to go out and uh, see him. He was at in 1974 at a, a kind of a spiritual summer camp called Naropa. and uh, when I spoke with him, I said, "Hey, uh, what about meditation? I've been doing." transcendental meditation for a few years uh that's what the beatles were into and if it was good enough for john lennon it was good enough for me <laughs> uh-huh. and uh but i was looking for something more and he said go check out this uh this guy joseph goldstein who uh teaches uh this mindfulness stuff and uh i went to joseph's class and that was it uh joseph said it's possible to not be run by your neurotic thoughts i'd never 
thought of that as a possibility before. And there was something about the way he said it that uh, I believed him and I said, I'm going for it. And, uh, and my life was never the same. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe the experience of meditation. It's, it's a doing thing, right? Not just a describing thing. Mm, right. It's one thing to read it in a book, and it's another to have an embodied experience where you actually turn your awareness inside and connect with, with life in here instead of out there. Uh, but once you do, you see that um, you have everything you need to find not only inner peace, but connect with life around you too. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about your book, Awakening Joy, particularly um, for people who are middle-aged, post-middle-age actually, who are listening to us today and I think suffering with some particular issues, maybe empty nest, maybe gray divorce, as it's called now, maybe the question of, you know, facing our own mortality, maybe the question of what do I do now that I'm not needed as a full-time parent or a full-time uh, career person. There seems to be a, a real... Uh, people describe sort of a what now emptiness. I've been defined by these roles, and now those roles are no longer here. I know I have some time left, but I also know time is limited. What do I do now? Well, the, the book uh, is based on uh, the philosophy that has had such a deep impact on me, which is Buddhist philosophy, you don't have to be a Buddhist to, uh, to benefit from it. The Buddha didn't teach Buddhism. He just taught ways to um, have a, a deep, fulfilling um, experience in life. And uh, for me, I, um, at some point, uh, after a long honeymoon period, I got very serious about my spiritual practice, dead serious, as I sometimes say. And I, I lost my joy. Uh, and then I, uh, after some period of time, I wanted to look and see, well, what in these teachings are actually um, said about finding well-being and aliveness and happiness? Was, the Buddha was called the happy one, or the, uh, the Dalai Lama uh, has a beautiful book, The Art of Happiness. And mm -hmm. he starts out with the line, the purpose of life is to be happy. Mm -hmm. The purpose of life is to be happy because when we can find our own happiness and well-being, then we come alive and everybody gets the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. So I looked at these teachings and um, saw some principles uh, about how to, uh, how to cultivate this, not just in meditation, but in one's life. And part of that if you know anything about Buddhist philosophy, the Buddha starts out with the, with the fact that there is suffering in life. Mm -hmm. And he, mm -hmm. he says the more we can come to terms with that and not run away from it, the greater the possibility of coming to the end of suffering, as he called it, which is mm -hmm. the highest happiness. So um, in, in 
writing about awakening joy, sometimes people think, you know, oh, what is that, just skipping through a field of daisies and <laughs> saying everything is just wonderful Pollyanna. and fine? Pollyannish, yeah. Yeah, and quite the contrary. It's being willing to open up to everything in life, the, the hard stuff as well as not miss all the beauty around us and all the goodness around us. So mm -hmm. although it's called Awakening Joy, it could, it's not just a feel-good program. It's a feel-everything program. Oh, wow. But you need to learn how to feel everything and not be overwhelmed by the hard stuff and to let yourself be touched by all the goodness inside and around you. And when you're authentically connected to right where you are, there's an aliveness that comes. And especially as you get more and more um, adept and familiar with looking for what's good instead of inclining towards uh, what's wrong, uh, then you come alive. As, as one neuroscience friend says, the brain is like Teflon for positive mm -hmm. experiences and Velcro for negative experiences. And I think you're quoting Rick Hansen. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Rick Hansen. And, you know, it's so interesting because I think what you're saying is this is a skill that one can develop. Exactly. It's not something we're necessarily born with. In fact, our brains really are sort of focused, as you said, you know, uh, the Velcro. We're wired to be vigilant and look for danger. And so we really have to be very aware of that. Well, And it, it's a I'm practice. Sorry. Yeah, it is a practice. And just to backtrack when you said we're, we're not born with it, actually, we are born with a natural aliveness and joy. When you come into this world, you know, if, if a, as a baby, if you're fed and diapered and get a little bit of love, <laughs> you squeal with delight. Wow. <laughs> so this is... Life is grand. This is inherent. This is intrinsic to who we are. Mm. But we also have this other um, uh, self-preservation mechanism that looks out for danger and particularly we are taught from a very early age watch out be careful which is a good thing but our overactive amygdalas scan the horizon for what can go wrong and that becomes uh, a natural habit for many of us so it takes practice to remember to look for and let yourself be touched by all the good inside and around you. That takes practice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my experience, too, is with my clients, they're dealing with their personal, you know, issues or stress or distress. But now they're also dealing with what feels like the world is just crumbling before our eyes. Those two things are like this sort of the macro and the micro where people seem to be feeling so uh, overwhelmed, even more so than ever. Absolutely. And uh, there's, there's good reason for that uh, because it is a scary world uh, and in some ways we've never been so close to self-destruction 
uh, and if you are aware of anything that's happening in our on our planet, you know that, um, as one friend says, uh, we're in a race between um, uh, fear and consciousness, and we're uh, we're. If we don't wake up, we're heading for very um, scary times. We are in the middle of scary times, but our planet is uh, is needing our care. And at the same time, there's never been as much consciousness. There's never been as much inspiration and caring and awareness that uh, we have in our power to change things. So it's a very... Uh, fascinating time and the more that people wake up to all the good rather than feeling despair the more they have energy to actually do something and contribute with their caring and their love and that becomes contagious in itself and so we're in this race and the way I see it we want to be create or help create as many agents of consciousness as we can because uh, it's much better to come from love and aliveness than uh, fear and despair. Mm -hmm. So much to think about, so much to understand. Would you just talk a little bit about uh, the Earth Sangha and what what the work is about there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a, uh, as you said in the introduction, I'm a, an advisor to a very wonderful platform called One Earth Sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A, which um, was put together by uh, two people, uh, one of whom is the World Wildlife Fund, uh, uh, now vice president, he, he has been the director of the climate uh, program for World Wildlife Fund, one of the best uh, organizations, uh, environmental organizations. And it's a, a platform that gives teachings and gives um, inspiration and, um, uh, and actions and trainings for people who want to contribute uh, in, in meaningful ways or use uh, perspectives that help address this both personally and, uh, and, and, and societally. And there are a number of different teachings in Buddhist philosophy that are, whether or not you call them Buddhist, um, are going to be essential for uh, changing our perspective on, uh, on things and for helping save the planet, I believe. Uh, just a few concepts, for instance, that uh, you, you can go more deeply if you, if you visit the One Earth Sangha uh, website, is understanding our interconnectedness, understanding that this Earth isn't just for humans to uh, to to enjoy and uh, and take resources at mm -hmm. the expense of everything else because we're all interconnected and mm -hmm. as the biosphere goes down we're the ones that are going to be losing so there's a, a radical shift of perspective that's needed to see we're part of a much greater whole this earth isn't just for humans do you think most people 
are that's a concept that's you know we've been hearing that we've been seeing it we know about you know one one species dies out the other like in my neighborhood in upstate new york it, it's a a suburb of the university there's just deer wandering everywhere and um it it I mean, they're cute, but it also feels very wrong. And, um, you know, because there's no predators at all. So it's become a really big issue. Do you think people are starting to get that, that, you know, we can't just sort of mess around? Um, it's not like a, a closet where we just take what we want. And then, you know, we just throw away the rest. Or, or do you have a sense that people are starting to appreciate that concept of what we do matters across the world? Uh, I definitely do. Uh, more and more by the day, uh, even, even in the last few weeks, um, we're, uh, we're, we're talking uh, now in, uh, in June, um, but in the last few weeks, there were... It doesn't get so much airplay in the States, but uh, just a, a few weeks ago, 1,600 cities have, had students that were protesting around the world, over a million students uh, that were protesting to wake up and mm. see this planet is, is on fire. And uh, just in a, a recent CNN poll, um, that voters in one in one party, the number one issue uh, in that CNN poll was climate. Mm -hmm. uh, that is unheard of. Or a few weeks ago, the UK, their parliament declared, and this is the government of the UK, declaring that the planet is now in a an emergency crisis and we've mm -hmm. got to wake up. So mm -hmm. even from six right. months ago, let alone a year or, or a number of years ago, it's happening all over. So um, that's where I say as, as well as the, the dire situation we're in, we are waking up daily and you can't hide it. Mm -hmm. uh, so. We're you can't all ignore. You can't ignore the weather. You can't ignore it. So sooner or later, everyone is going to wake up. And the way I see it is this, the sooner we can help that awakening happen, the less suffering there will be on not only human scale, but a planetary scale. But it's, it's definitely happening. And time is running out. So we're in this race, uh, as I said before. It's a very exciting and um and uh, uh enlivening time to be part of um part of the, the consciousness movement hey zestful agers last year i attended the international federation on aging's global conference in toronto and they've announced the 15th global conference on aging for niagara falls ontario from november 1st through 3rd 2020 
Zestful Aging Podcast is a proud partner for this conference, and I encourage you to all consider attending. The conference features prominent experts presenting and discussing critical issues within the field of aging. So head on over to ifa2020.org to learn more. And I hope to see you in Niagara Falls in November. And I, you know, I'm wondering how it is that you keep your optimism and your hope, um, even with all of these tools that you have and have developed and learned, understand and all that. I imagine there are times when you hear the news, you hear what our administration says or does, and are there times when you have to work pretty hard to keep your own head above water? Uh, definitely. That that that's part of the the process. You have to um, first first come from gratitude. This is uh, Joanna Macy, who's one of the leading thinkers in environmental uh, consciousness uh, teachers. Uh, she has a book, a beautiful book called Active Hope. And uh, as she says it, and I agree with this uh, paradigm, first come from gratitude and see how amazingly blessed and generous this, this earth is for us. And then you have to take a look at the truth and feel all the pain inside and go through a grieving process where you're coming to terms with reality and not thinking like, oh, yes, uh, in, in a number of generations, uh, there may be some hard times. This is happening right now, mm -hmm. right now. And there is, I go through my own grieving process. Uh, I, read a, I read something by this uh, fellow who's written a bestseller, uh, um, David Wallace Wells, who wrote a book called The Uninhabitable Earth. And when I read that, it was a second kind of grieving, the same that I had when I read Bill McKibben's book, Earth, with two A's, E-A-A-R-T-H. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I have to take in the reality of what's here mm -hmm. and feel that pain. Mm -hmm. But then, as you come to terms with reality, then you see, okay, what can I do to make a difference not from fear, not from despair, but from love and joy and do something. And whatever I do, even when you're just turning off the lights, you do it as, as an act of love for the planet. Mm -hmm. So you are continually connecting with the planet. And whatever you do, as, as a, a wonderful um, uh, teacher, Angelus Arian, uh, who passed away a few years ago, she says, action absorbs anxiety so uh -huh. doing something yes. from joy and from love as mm -hmm. another teacher of mine says a joyful responsibility then you kind of put your anxiety you channel it and you come from you do your part and you do it with others and then you don't feel so alone and you are it becomes an uplifting contribution rather than imploding and feeling like oh what can i do mm -hmm. if we all do our parts and we all help each other wake up there's 
there's enough information to know what we what needs to happen and then as the the conventional wisdom starts tipping to the point that it reaches the the, the places of power and we take take control over this unsustainable situation um that's how things change that's how they've always changed as margaret mead says it's it's only it's always been a few people that have made a difference and wake everybody else up so and um, maybe there's a way in which we had to get to this point to get everyone on board absolutely this is as as uh, one way, uh, Andrew Harvey is a, another um, a brilliant, uh, inspiring thinker who, who wrote a book called uh, The Hope, A Guide for Sacred Activism. He says we're in what he calls the dark night of the species. And mm-hmm. in the in spiritual awakening, there's, uh, there's a famous treatise by St. John of the Cross, The Dark Night of the Soul, mm-hmm. where you have to go through the... the darkest places the scariest places and like joseph campbell talks about the hero's journey all the heroes and heroines they go through this darkest place of fear and um and and loss and confusion and meeting your demons before you wake up and become a a jedi master <laughs> or uh, or or a katniss everdeen with the hunger games that that's that's the hero's journey, and it's the dark night of the soul. And we're in the dark night of the species, where we have an opportunity here to wake up like we never would have otherwise. And we just would have been falling asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. But now we see, whoa, if we don't do something different, mm-hmm. we're all doomed. So I see us as that in that kind of potential deep awakening greater than we've ever had before. Mm. It's this fine line. I mean, to, to, and I'm sure it sounds like you're a very voracious reader, but this idea of how do I stay awake, allow, you know, not argue with reality, which I know is one of the expressions and, but also, be able to um, be hopeful and take action and keep moving forward. It seems like such a balancing act. It is, yes. And in fact, so in in uh, Buddhist philosophy, there are two qualities of mind uh, and heart that help hold this all. One is compassion, which is just a simple, we're wired up to care. We're wired up to respond to suffering around us. Or we read a, a, um, about some disaster and our heart breaks. Or we read about climate change and we say, oh my goodness, I care so much. I, I might be, we feel overwhelmed. But compassion needs to be balanced with another quality called equanimity. Mm-hmm. which is finding a balance in the middle of it all so you're not overwhelmed and you have enough spaciousness to say, okay, this is the way things are. What is my wisest response? And I do whatever I can do, but it's not up to me to save the world. What I can only do my part. And 
and it's holding both of those together where mm -hmm. there's a spaciousness that says, okay, this is the way it is, but there's a caring that says, what can I do? And if there's too much caring and not enough balance and centeredness, then we tip over into fear, despair, hopelessness, and uh, or denial, and we just go numb. But if there's too much spaciousness and not enough caring, we're falling asleep. So it's finding a balance between mm -hmm. the two, between compassion and equanimity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if we're so overwhelmed by all the news, we need to take a break and get yes. some space and rejuvenate and, and nourish ourselves. But if we're just taking a break and saying, okay, well, whatever happens, happens, I don't want to be in, uh, involved, then we're not, we're missing out on our possibility of joyful responsibility of, of, of making a difference. So it's, uh, it's balancing both of those. Yeah, that's, that's so fascinating. I noticed you use the term climate change. Uh, tell me about that choice rather than global warming. Oh, well, because global warming uh, doesn't... Actually, I, these days I often use uh, climate crisis mm -hmm. or climate disruption um, because global warming is such a vague idea. Oh, yes, we're heating up how... Uh, gee, that's going to be too bad. But our Earth is changing like it never has and climate is something that we can uh, for me it gives a sense of this is not just about uh, what humans can do this is something much bigger than us we are not in charge here and when we see the bigger picture and see the planet the climate is way bigger than what we have control over um, and that it's changing and that there's a crisis and according to the last um, uh, the last report of the IPCC this uh, international uh, report from the, uh, that the UN uh, commissioned we have 12 years to turn this around mm -hmm. we have this window of time uh, at, at least to um, to to head off catastrophes that we can only dream of now. Now we're we're talking about borders and refugees and and some people from either Syria or Mexico or or Central mm -hmm. America wanting to get in. In we're looking at as as it's as it's said, two hundred million people will be living in uninhabitable lands. So this is, this is kind of like uh, uh, kindergarten when mm. we're talking about mm -hmm. mass, uh, mass distraction, change. such a yeah. distraction. So this is, this is big stuff. And, um, and it's scary as hell. And yet, we have this opportunity to wake up. So um, it, it's to just say global warming, it's such a vague thing. Mm. And mm -hmm. to see our planet needs our caring more than ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And to come from joy. 
to come from love, to come from inspiration. What can I do that can make a difference? And as you do that more, then everybody around you uh, starts to think in the same way. Mm -hmm. There's so many good things to to talk about here, but what what I think about um, are our listeners saying that sounds fascinating. It sounds so important, and I don't know where to start. There's you know these are such big concepts and very different. I think you'd agree with me than the typical kind of Western um, thought pattern, the consumerism, you know, give me it, more, give me a bigger house. It, give it's me all about, it's all about changing that paradigm from more to, um, uh, to seeing what you really need as opposed to what you want. And right. And so for the person who has not been studying this and not really had this epiphany that you had, I think, many, many years ago, where can one start? What What are the first small steps for someone who's been, for example, in a career, a teacher, uh, you know, whatever, and now they're saying there must be more for me here? What are the first steps in challenging, you know, the very typical paradigm of, buying things, chasing things, all of that. Mm. How do they begin? Mm. It's a big question, and uh, I don't know if I have uh, one, uh, one size fits all, uh, but I would say start, especially since I know that this is uh, zestful aging, so mm -hmm. that uh, uh, people who have been around for a while uh, – and you mentioned before about oh well uh, is you know, now I'm in the the latter uh, parts of my life the la the latter half or whatever um, it starts with seeing every moment counts mm. and appreciating every moment even before you figure out what you can do. Don't miss the fact that there are a finite number of moments in your life. And the more you can be present for them, the more you come alive. Mm -hmm. So in Buddhist philosophy, for instance, it's recommended, one practice is remembering that um, death is, is right here. The Buddha says, no matter how old you are, realize every day can be your last day. Not to bum you out, not to <laughs> depress you, but mm. to not take for granted this precious life that you have. And to let yourself come alive by falling in love with life. And particularly falling in love with the things that truly bring us joy, which are not about acquiring. You know, we, we're told if you get this, then you'll be happy. That's what all of our consumer society is about. But falling in love with the miracle of life all around you. you know, Einstein has this line. He says, there's two ways to go through this life. 
One is seeing nothing as a miracle, and the other is seeing everything as a miracle. Mm -hmm. So for those listening, if you just say, oh, well, another day, uh, what?" if you see, oh, this could be my last day, mm-hmm. everything becomes so much richer and alive. Mm-hmm. And to connect with life around you, particularly, you know, where so many of us live in urban uh, areas where we are disconnected from the natural order of things and the nature around us, life is a miracle. And the more we can see ourselves as part of a greater whole, the more we don't take it for granted and and love being alive. And that, I think, is one of the most important starts to feel truly grateful for this life that you've been given and uh, and not take it for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've been doing mindful meditation for a long time, and I've even taught it, but just to hear the way you describe it, it's like even sort of this deepening appreciation. And I'm thinking about my garden um, in upstate New York. We're a little bit behind on the weather. It's quite chilly. But, you know, every day I go out and things have bloomed. You know, they they, they are bigger and they're growing. And yesterday the irises weren't out. And then I go out. We had a rain. The irises are out. I mean, it's... It truly is just mind-blowingly beautiful mm. if you can if you can take enough time to see it. Exactly, you can fall in love with your irises, and uh, they can be they can awaken joy right there. I'm I'm just remembering a a line I love from uh, the the wonderful book The Little Prince by uh, Sammy Zupari. And uh, the fox says to the little prince, uh, it's the time that you spend with your, with your rose that makes your rose so special. But it mm-hmm. takes some uh, slowing down enough to realize, oh, wow, I'm alive. Oh, life is happening all around me. If this is your last days and weeks, all of a sudden, everything would come alive so much more and that's part of the practice to train ourselves to not wait until it's the end of our life but to appreciate wow i'm alive right now let's not miss this and Mm -hmm. that's what motivates us to want to um want to do what we can out of love and appreciation that's where gratitude is is the first step Yeah, it's so powerful. And, you know, we, we've been hearing about it. I mean, Oprah started with the gratitude journal and all that. And I think, you know, people get it and it makes sense. But it's not really just saying I'm grateful for the roof over my head, or I'm grateful for this meal. It's, it's a whole lens, right? It's a whole way of being. Once you start looking through the lens of gratitude, and wonder and awe, mm, mm-hmm. uh, then then you really come alive. It's like uh, that line uh, that Jesus says: "Unless you become converted like children, you will not know the kingdom of heaven." 
and it's mm-hmm. letting our that natural wonder um, that's in us that we were born with that, that makes us want to love to learn that makes us want to uh, want to stare at a sunset and be touched by the, the the beauty all around us. Just taking the time to be present for it is a very important start. Which is why mindfulness is is such a a powerful gift at this time in our in our culture. Mm-hmm. So interesting, so, so important. And I'm wondering, James, where people can find out more about your work um, and your course, How, where would you lead them? Oh, sure. Well, I, I have a website, um, Awakening Joy. Um, just Google it. Awakeningjoy.info is the website that if you mm-hmm. just put in Awakening Joy. And I wrote a book called Awakening Joy, 10 Steps, uh, on, on the road to happiness, um, and um, and my my work, my whole schedule is there. But um, you can uh, go to One Earth Sangha if mm. climate change is something that's uh, that's interesting for you. One Earth Sangha S A N G H A dot org. And what is, remind me what Sangha means. Sangha is a word uh, that means um, community or mm-hmm. like-minded friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a word in, uh, in Asia, uh, satsang in company of the truth or a refuge in the Sangha. Like-minded friends, when we're with people who inspire us or who share our values, high um, noble values, we remind each other because uh, it's so easy to forget mm-hmm. when we're going through this alone and you can't do it alone. So One Earth Sangha is really being part of the community of people that love this planet and uh, want to make a difference. And you'll see there on that website also many different actions and activities and joining, uh, being informed Joining uh, 350.org is a very inspiring um, uh, uh, website uh, for uh, an environment. Uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, T-H-U-N-B-E-R-G, is a 16-year-old Swedish girl who is mobilizing uh, youth around the country, mm-hmm. around the world, I should say. There are 1,600 cities uh, that, uh, that went on on a on a children's strike uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there's another one happening September 20th, uh, a global one that's going to have adults as well as uh, as as children. Uh, there's so much, but it, you can go to One Earth Sangha, or mm-hmm. go to my website, or go to Spirit Rock website. Um, I have many many talks on um, that I give each week uh, okay. on uh, a website called dharmaseed.org. Okay. D-H-A-R-M-A-Seed, S-E-E-D, mm-hmm. dot org. And I've okay. got many, many talks on there, too. Great, great. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you today, James. Thank you so much for taking the time, and thank you for all of your work. No, 
well, thank you very much for having me, Nicole, and uh, thanks for helping me spread more consciousness and caring in this world. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. Next week, we're going to be speaking with Colleen Wheatmartin, who was a professional publishing consultant, and she's going to talk to us about how to start your own writing project, whether it's a blog, a memoir, or an article you'd like to submit to your favorite magazine. Hello, podcast listeners. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware than ever that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need left over from a life that we're no longer living. We know we'd feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. And it turns out it's not as easy as putting things in three piles or using the decluttering tricks that we hear about on TV. Because if it was that easy, everyone would have an organized home with lots of space and everything neatly stacked in see-through bins. But most of us don't know where to start, how to deal with the overwhelm and the emotions that come with our clutter. If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when we're going through our stuff. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy. It's very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.